0: Welcome to Leftovers from Living Proof, the podcast for stuff that didn't fit into the service.
1: We hope to share some information that will make you think and maybe even make you laugh. I'm Paul Lore. I operate a floor care business out of Paila, Kansas.
0: What do you mean floor care? What's uh, that mean? Uh,
1: carpet cleaning, tile cleaning, uh, VCT, strip and wax, maintenance. Uh, we do a lot of uh, uh, commercial buildings up in Jackson County. Uh, City of Lee's Summit, we do all their public buildings. And City of Independence, we do. We have a contracts with them. Um, so we, my wife and I, we both run the office. And My and, business has to do with strip and wax too, but not the same as yours.
0: Ooh, put them mm-hmm. My name is Rob White, and you know, I, when when I was in middle school, I can remember thinking to myself, "When I grow up, I want to be a sales effectiveness manager," and that's what I'm doing today.
1: Congratulations! See, not everybody fulfills those kind of dreams. I'm
0: living the dream, man.
1: <laughs> you are awesome.
0: as a uh, As a sales effectiveness manager uh, for uh, NetSmart, I do uh, all the onboarding of uh, new salespeople and um, kind of maintain some training that. Uh, helps them grow as a salesperson either in their knowledge or skills uh, and and makes them better at what they do so
1: you are actually in the business of making people better
0: technically yes
1: that's awesome
0: well if you consider more effective better
1: yeah that's exactly what doctors do so you're basically doing the same thing that a doctor does dr rob
0: yeah (laughs) but what is it you do
1: um i I have yet to really get a full time gig anywhere I'm just <laughs> kidding <laughs> anywho uh I am part of a business owner with my family um my brothers and my sister um own a rental store rental equipment party rental store and we have uh some a few locations throughout um we've grown a lot and so that's kept us busy and then i also Pastor Living Proof Church, which I was part of planting seven years ago. This year we are on our seventh year, so pretty exciting stuff. I, I really jump back and forth a lot. Like I said, I'm my, that's my personality, though. So I really struggle to stay doing one thing for a full week. So it's really been good for me to jump back and forth.
0: Yeah, that's it's it's good that the church pays so well, so that you can you know do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> that
1: I can do the rental on the side. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, my kids got to eat, you know, so I pastor just to to feed the family, and the rest of it's just you know icing on the cake.
0: Well, I'm sure your wife makes a ton of money as the worship leader here too. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah.
1: she's yeah, we're we're riding this thing all the way to retirement, <laughs> <laughs> <So>.
0: <laughs> which you can do any day now. Absolutely,
1: yeah, we're 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 chomping at the bit to retire. You so. know,
0: that's something that's always intrigued me when when. Um, uh, uh, you know, I think about retirement. Somebody says, "Well, wouldn't you like to retire early?" Well, w- we could all do that.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: I mean, I could retire today, uh, but the fact is, you would I, be
1: completely broke. I <laughs> yeah, tomorrow
0: I would be I would be, <laughs> I would be really close to it very soon. Yeah, I wouldn't last in in retirement very long. Which is like you know, well, like bands. You know, the, they'll say this is our final tour, and then and then everybody comes out for that tour, and then. 3 years later they're out. How many final again.
1: tours has Garth Brooks had? I I don't know. <laughs> he had another one here recently.
0: I I think maybe I should do that. I think you should. And then and then people would really come out to see me work. And then they would be, you know, throw a party for me for my retirement and then a few years later I come back to work and have another retirement party.
1: Yeah, um and if you're serving cake at both of your retirement parties, <laughs> and I would come. Okay. Yeah. But not necessarily for you, but just for the cake. I see. Yeah. It depends on what kind you get to.
0: What, what kind of cake would you like? Well, we can talk about it
1: later. Rate? We don't need to bore people with what kind of cake I like. Thanks. I appreciate no that. No problem.
0: Paul, if I retired, can I come to work with you? I want to strip and wax. <laughs> oh. Yeah. 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 We're always looking for good employees. We uh, wanted to... To uh, take uh, an episode here and really just use um, at this time to to kind of dive into something that we we kind of opened the can on uh, pre- in a previous episode. We were talking about homelessness. We were talking about homelessness in um, uh, our area, Miami County and surrounding counties. So we thought it might be a good idea to bring in some some folks who deal with that on a on a daily basis. Um, and uh, one of those people I just happen to be married to. Um, Her name's Janae White. Uh, She works at my father's house. Uh, She's the manager of personal and family advancement. Yeah, PAFA. PAFA. And she is the hottest PAFA I know. In this county. In this county. (laughs) (laughs) Janae, you want to say hi?
2: Hi. It's nice to meet you, everyone. Thank you for having us.
0: And uh, and also, uh, Beth Waddle, she's the. She pres- sounds so much prettier
1: than you on, on this.
0: Beth Waddle does?
1: Well, both of them. I'm sure Beth is going to do with you. You were
0: referring to my wife, though. Yeah. Well, she is a lot prettier than me. Okay, well, that makes sense then. Oh, okay. Sorry I interrupted. So, Beth Waddle is the director and CEO, president of uh, my father's house, uh, Community Services. And um, uh, like I said, they kind of deal with this on a a day-to-day basis. So, Beth, would you do me a favor and just kind of tell us about yourself and how you got involved with My Father's House?
3: Sure. Thanks for having us, first of all. Um, Like Rob said, I am the President and CEO of My Father's House Community Services. We first opened our doors back in 2006 with the goal of addressing homelessness in our community. Um, We were first funded in 2006 by a HUD grant that has allowed us to um, financially support our efforts, uh, probably about 80% of our efforts that that grant supports, Um, and that's been renewed every year for us. And so for the last uh, 13 years, we have addressed the issue of homelessness in Miami and uh, surrounding areas, Miami County and Lynn County specifically. We serve, I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: You said uh, 80% uh, comes from a HUD grant. Where does the other 20% come from?
3: Well, the other 20% um, comes from individual donors, um, other grants, community foundations. And actually, I I said 80-20, but that number is really, um, over the years, that HUD grant amount hasn't changed. So um, it really takes more and more investment from our community as we go along to continue to serve people at the same level. Um, because those funds just don't go quite as far as they did back in 2006 when we started.
0: Well, you bring up a good point. What what kinds of things do you do with that that money that's raised?
3: So all of the funds that come into the shelter go to support um, the building itself, you know, operations. You have to have electricity and water and all those fun things. Um, They go to provide supportive services. Uh, That's services like the case management services that Janae provides, Um, things like medical services, mental health services. Um, Really, our goal when somebody comes into our program is to identify what was lacking as far as um, knowledge base, um, skills, life skills, those types of things, and help provide whatever services are necessary to fill in those gaps so that when they leave our program, they're going to be ready to be successful on their own. And so those supportive services um, are a huge part of our budget. And then also making sure that we have funds um, to feed everybody that's in the shelter and uh, provide transportation. We do a lot of transportation to uh, medical appointments and school for the kiddos and employment. Um, all those things are expenses that are covered by the funds that come in.
1: That's amazing. So can you tell us, like, number-wise, are you guys always full Or or is there, like, openings once periodically, or how does that work?
3: So um, that's an interesting question. We almost always have a wait list. Um, Part of that is because instead of an emergency shelter where somebody comes in and stays for a couple days or a couple weeks, um, my father's house is a transitional housing shelter. And Mm -hmm. so once people come into our program, um, there's potential that they could stay for up to 24 months. Mm -hmm. Most of our stays aren't that long. We average about 9 to 11 months. Um, but because people stay for so long, you know, we, we average about 30 residents at a time, um, but it takes a little while for people to get back on their feet and get moved out and make room for the next people to come in, so we do tend to have a wait list.
1: Okay, so, so when you say 30, is that including kids in all, or is that 30 rooms?
3: So that's uh, about 30 people is our average. Okay. Um, we have 11 residential rooms, and so um, typically kiddos make up almost 50% of our residents at any given time.
1: Okay. And and that's that's interesting to me that, that it's that many kids are in that state because they they obviously a lot of people will say, well, you know, if someone's homeless it's be it's part of their own fault. You know, that's the common um I, I know that's not the case, um, seeing it for myself, but um not all the time. Some people do choose that lifestyle, but majority do not. Um they get themselves into that. So but you know the kids do not choose that life and and, and where they're at with that so that's interesting that 50% so when you say there's a wait list is that wait list like more than double what you have or is it just I guess it probably varies?
3: It really does vary. Um, Typically you know our our wait list tends to grow and then as we get an opening or know that we have an opening coming we start going through um, to revisit those people and see what their current situation is. So sometimes along the way people have found other solutions to their homelessness and have found a place to stay or um, you know family who's willing to take them in which is always great. So sometimes you know we go through three or four people on the wait list before we find the next person for that open spot um so it does vary quite a bit
1: okay well do you do you think that what do you you think the number one cause for homelessness is i i know there's probably several but what is probably the one topic that you hear all the time like hey this is how i got myself into this situation
3: you know um like you said there's really a, a huge variety of causes we see so many people who are living paycheck to paycheck and it doesn't take much for the dominoes to start to fall um about 80 percent of our adult residents um, struggle with mental health issues or addiction issues or a combination of both and those are frequently contributing factors in the the homelessness that we see Um, but it really it can be so many different issues Janae may be able to address um what she sees janae so when somebody applies for our program janae conducts our initial interview that really gets to the heart of what's going on in this situation that somebody needs our services and and is our program right for them our program isn't right for everybody and right. so um so janae may have some some input there that she liked to share too okay. i
2: think mental health is a, a huge thing that a lot of people don't always know that they have and even just becoming stressed out and homeless and not knowing where you're going to stay each night, worried if you have your children, if they're going to be taken away just because you're going through a rough patch, um, wondering where you're going to eat and trying to keep your secret because it's very embarrassing and we're a small town so you don't want everybody to know your business. And that can create some temporary depression and stress and then when you're depressed you don't always think clearly um, or make good decisions with what you can do and can't do. And even just asking for help um, is a big challenge for people to come through the door sometimes. They've never found themselves, you know, I had a good job for 20 years, and now here I am. Hmm. And I'm usually the one helping, and now I need help. Um, Addiction does play a part in it, either um, past, and sometimes when you're in throes of addiction, um, then you're really making bad choices, and you get yourself in financial trouble, um, sometimes legal trouble. And then when you're ready to be done with that, well, then you have all these things you need to overcome to even get into housing. Um, if you have any sort of legal stuff, it you, knocks you out of most income-based housing. So you have to make enough money, and then you have to get somebody to give you a chance and um, to restart and, and prove that you are a different person now. So that usually just takes time, and if you don't have a stable place to put down on an application or something like that to get a job, then it's hard to even start the process.
1: Right. and. And I guess coming from a a church perspective, seeing how you know, we a pastor living proof and I'm I'm looking at do you feel like and I'm just asking to be completely honest, do you feel like there's probably always areas we could do better at in helping you guys Um, and I've always had something on my heart that I feel like the churches could come together better to tackle the issue, Um, you know because a lot of times I feel like we're we'll get a hotel room for someone for a couple nights, you know, when we know they're homeless. And I love the, I love the source that you guys have, like of, you know, we're going to keep them here until we know that they have the best chance possible to get back on their feet, whether that be nine months or, or 24 months, we're going to do everything in our power. And that's my biggest hurdle um, and hurting for them is that if I can, I'm, I'm going to get them in a hotel for a couple nights and then I'm up at night thinking, okay, well that money's out. And what next? What, what next yeah and yeah. and if they do have mental health needs or addictions i didn't really help them in any aspect with that I just I, and they have to be laying in that hotel room for two nights with that same anxiety going two nights from now, I got to move out of here, and it's they're giving me a time frame of ten o'clock you know, and so I just feel like the church's funds in that aspect um, and their, their resources could go better towards helping them in a more spiritual matter of. Uh, because I, I, you know, being a pastor, I feel like um, a lot of the needs are spiritual needs. Um, a lot of the, uh, like, I feel like God could take care of the issue a lot better than we could. And so I'm always kind of seeing how the churches could come together better to assist you guys. And and I know that gets tricky with probably funding and the things that you're allowed to do um, with helping them. And so I would like you to address, I guess, that issue Um, What are you allowed to teach them, um, or are you allowed to go there?
3: Sure. So um, we consider ourselves a faith-influenced organization. And for us, what that means is that most of us who work there – do that kind of work because of our faith, and and that's a way that we can live out our faith and uh, love people in a Christ-like way, um, in a very tangible way. And because we receive federal funds, we um, do not require people to participate in any religious programming while they're with us. Um, But our goal is always that um, the way that we act and the programming that we offer and the services that are offered um, and opportunities to participate in church, there's a church that actually meets right there in the homeless shelter, um, and so those services and um, and all of those programs are open to them whether they choose to participate or not. And so our goal is that there would be something attractive in that to the people um, that come and stay with us there at my father's house, that they'll see something different in us um, and something different in the way that we treat people and in the way that we serve people, and that that would be attractive to them and point them towards God. Um so that's kind of how we how we handle the issue of receiving federal funds and being a, a faith-influenced organization. I think one of the biggest things um, that churches can do, you guys um, are already doing and may not know that you're doing here, um, but that's relationship. I think um, one of the biggest needs that we see in people's lives, um, whether they're experiencing homelessness or not, is relationship and healthy relationship. I think that um, relationship is... It's one of the the most healing aspects um, that we can bring to people, whether they're struggling with mental health issues, um, addiction issues, whatever is going on in their lives. Um, Finding a church, a place, um, where a community where they feel like they're accepted, even if they're not exactly like everybody else that's there um, is so huge it really is the beginning of a healing process and um, for us we have this approach um, that when we do relationship with the people that we serve it earns us permission to speak into their lives and I think that's really has to be the starting point if we're going to make a difference in people's lives um, as a church and when when I talk about the church you know the the church is all the individuals that make up a church and so um, So all of those people play a part in that relationship building. And, um, you know, for some people that looks like just... Doing communication, taking somebody out to lunch, and and being available to talk. For some, it looks like if you um, you know are a landlord in the area or an employer in the area, giving somebody that you might not normally give a chance, um, giving them that opportunity to to rent from you or to work for you, and and things like that. Those relationship building things. Um, you know, when we when we get to know people, first of all, I think we have a much better understanding of them. Um, but they also get to see where we're coming from and and begin to care about what we. Um, what we see in them and what we want for them, and ultimately, that's um, you know that they would would get to know Christ and. That's amazing, yeah, I love that. I that's love it.
2: that's one of the things um, about that I like about transitional. Even though we need more emergency services, mm-hmm. the transitional really gives us an opportunity to build that relationship, so we can help them. Usually, the first thirty days is them just getting to know us, and that and prove to them that we do care no matter what right. they're going through, that we don't look down on them on their past. Um, if they're in, currently struggling with addiction, that I don't see them any less. It just means I need, we need to figure out what will help them, and are they ready, and moving forward in that, and treating them the same like I treat everybody else. Right. And in that, sometimes they don't always get that and think, oh, I don't care, but then once they're there long enough, oh, you do care and you're not going to stop, just because I keep throwing things in your face or Mm -hmm. turning my back on you. And then that's when the relationship starts and that's when we really can help them move forward.
0: That's amazing. I I think also that that you guys can probably help us uh, really define this word homelessness. Um, When when we think of homeless, um, I I think of people in the city uh, who are on a street corner uh, uh, or uh, in a tent... Uh, uh, living uh, you know uh, down by uh, uh, some uh, metropolitan area Um, but here we're talking about Miami County Um, uh, I I, I can't go down to the square and pick out those homeless people Um, so I mean what does it look like here
3: that's an awesome question so it looks like a lot of different things um you know sometimes it looks like a lady sleeping in her car in the walmart parking lot because that's the only place she doesn't get run off um it looks like people camping out at the lake who um at a glance might look like other families who are camping out at the lake only they don't pack up at the end of the weekend and have somewhere else to go they don't they don't know what the next step is um you know, we we have quite a few people who camp out in woods. Um, not too long ago, we had somebody who um, was camping out behind the cemetery, and um, it really it it can look a lot different. Sometimes it's single moms who are um, piled up in a one apartment, one room apartment or one room house where. Um, we see a lot of situations where somebody's lease doesn't allow them to have people staying with them. And so, um, you know, they, but their heart breaks for this friend who's in trouble. And so they let them stay. And the next thing you know, they're both homeless because they got kicked out of the the apartment or the house. Um, and so it, it really looks different in rural areas. We've had people sleeping in silos, um, sleeping in storage units, sleeping in um, abandoned houses that don't have utilities um, with their kiddos. So um, you know they, they don't have a way to make sure that their kiddos are warm and, and clean, don't have running water and things like that. Um, so in rural areas, it really can look different, um, and, and it's not always easy to see.
0: And and I think when we think of my father's house, we we tend to think of the homeless shelter, but I know you guys do so many more things, and I know that there's people that you serve who will never have a room there, but but you still serve them. How how do you kind of justify that in your in your uh, charter and say these are, these are the other folks that we serve.
3: Well, some of what we do is is unofficially um, what we would call homeless prevention. Um, we also provide services such as a food pantry, um, and then through uh, the Paola Association of Church Action, um, or PACA as it's as it's known, um, there are some funds available for utility assistance. Not, not PAPA. PAPA. Not PAPA. <laughs> that's, Definitely. That's
1: Janae's job.
3: Yes, okay. but I do yes. do that yes. <laughs> for them. Janae is the, is the PACA is the PAPA representative <laughs> for PACA. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and so, you know, those are services that that we provide uh, to people who are certainly vulnerable in our community in hopes that um, by providing those services, they can continue to remain in their homes, um, even if they are what we would call precariously housed. Um, and that those services would, would ease some of the strain in their lives that could potentially lead to homelessness. And that that lead to um, even just challenges. We don't we don't want to see people going hungry or uh, or cold and and so um, those are services that we we definitely are committed to providing that don't necessarily just serve the homeless population.
1: So I'm looking at a chart here, and from I guess from 1990 to 2017, the the issue is getting worse um you know and and also our community is growing so i guess with population i'm guessing because i'm not in the middle of it like you are as the population grows the the issue there and being homeless gets worse
3: yes but i'm gonna put a but in there Mm -hmm. um i would also say that we are getting better and better at identifying the homeless population um in 1990 there were not a lot of efforts to um to really understand the nature of of homelessness but also to to get a count of of people um we so because we receive federal funds every year we participate in what they call a point in time count and that is um a day in january where we literally attempt to count every single homeless person in our community and those are the people who are in the shelter, those are the people who are out in tents. Um, and so those are where a lot of those numbers that you see come from. Um, and because our efforts to count are getting better, those numbers are going up. Not that there's not also more homeless, um, but it's it's really hard to tell which which it is. Um, right. We see we do see a growing population of um, of people who are maybe a little more okay. Being unhoused, um, or or having fluid shelter, um, we see that a lot in Osawatomie here, okay. and um, but some of some of those numbers is just that we're getting better at counting.
1: Okay, that makes sense. That's good. That's good. When, when you say fluid housing, are
0: are you talking about? Living on a houseboat or are you talking about couch surfing
3: <laughs> I'm talking about couch surfing um, staying out in tents in the woods um, we there's a
1: are we like a stepping stone for them to move on to something else or they're just that I think choice. there's
3: some pretty permanent um, citizens who are who are just around and and when they have a place to stay they do and when they don't they camp out in the woods and um, and to be honest some of them are not um, incredibly interested in doing the things that they know they would need to do in order to receive services we do have some limits to the services that we have in our community too we um at my father's house we are not able to serve individual men at this time um we serve women and we serve families um so we serve some men in the in the context of families but um but if you're a, a single man out there there are not services close by for you and so um at that point, you have the option of going further away to Kansas City, which um, for some people takes you away from the natural supports that you do have in the community, the friends and contacts that you do have. Um, and so that's not often an attractive option for people. And so um, so some people would rather do that precarious couch surfing or stay wherever they can um, just to try to get by for now here in our community. And, and so that's a, a population that is largely unserved. Okay. by the services that, that we offer.
1: What is the vision for, I, I guess, if, as, as we see the, the issue continue, um, and I know you have the heart for it to be completely gone, which this probably looks like a, a ginormous task, right? Um, hey, wait, I, my wife would be out of a job then.
3: We're okay with that. Um, I mean, we like your wife, but we would all be okay with working ourselves out of a job.
1: Yeah. Um, probably not because it would have to continue, mm-hmm. Because um, it's uh, you know, the, my, but we could do better. Well, I guess what I'm saying mm. is everybody yes. feels like we could always do better, right? Yeah. In, and every at, even in our business um, or in church, we could. I always feel like the church could constantly do better. Absolutely. Um, and so, I guess what I'm asking is, what is the vision for um, moving forward? Are we gonna Are you gonna expand? Um, you know, if, if you're if you're serving 30 at a time right now, and we can constantly see a waiting list of people that genuinely do want help um are there going to be options for more funds available later or do you is that just all up in the air and you don't know
3: you know those are good questions um so sometimes hud makes additional funds available and um we are certainly always open to applying for funds for additional programs um some of the challenge in our community is that Um, To move somebody out of the shelter and get somebody else in, they have to have somewhere to move to. And so affordable housing is really a big issue in our community. Um, Both having some subsidized housing is really important. That's a a stepping stone for some people who are, um, you know, freshly getting back into the workforce and uh, maybe working on increasing their income to a point where they can afford unsubsidized housing.
1: When you say affordable, what's the... what? number? Why is there kind of a range?
3: You know, that's it's a tough question because affordable for some people is not ever going to be affordable for other people. And so I think it's really, that's why it's really important that we have housing available at different price points. Um, you know, even if it's not long term, um, so basically stepping stones for people to move move to um subsidized housing is super important for those people who are on disability and um you know if you're making seven hundred dollars a month in a disability you can't afford to pay five hundred dollars rent a month and so um that's where those subsidies come in super important section eight vouchers all of those yeah. um so what part of what we would love to see and um would love to participate in if if the right opportunities arise would be um housing for it with it. it's there's programs that they call permanent supportive housing. And so um, that is permanent housing that people don't ever have to move out of that comes along with some supportive services. And I think those supportive services are an important part of keeping people in that housing, um, you know, whether that's just some reminders on, on budgeting and making sure that bills are getting paid or that people are, um, are getting to doctor's appointments and me- mental health appointments and things like that. Um, I think those are important pieces to people continuing to be successful down the road, um, that's a, a piece that that we see missing in this community a lot. Um, but also, you know, we would love to see um, some emergency shelter available, and we're um, we're hoping to work towards some opportunities for that here in the near future. But um, I think it's always going to be a need. Um, you know, when that when you hand out that hotel voucher and you feel like that money's just gone for a really temporary solution. Um, what that does do is buys a little bit of time for um, for more permanent solutions right. to be explored and, and for us to work with somebody to find out if what we can do to help them um, get to somewhere where they can either receive services for a period of time or if they have family, how can we help them get to that family that's going to be supportive for them? Um, but I think that we could do that in a lot more affordable manner than handing out hotel vouchers. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Hey, Janae, would you mind, um, I'm sure some people are thinking to themselves, how can I get involved? How can I help out? Would you mind giving out the uh, uh, web address of where they can find out more about My Father's House?
2: Yes, it's www.mfhcs.com.
3: That stands for My Father's House Community Services.
1: That's very cool. Well, I just, I want to take the time. I know you guys got to get going, um, and we really appreciate you guys taking the time to come speak with us. I want to thank you guys for all the work and service that you do. Um, it does not go unnoticed in our community. If if every time I've worked with someone in need in that in that world, um, it my father's house is one of the first things that always comes up. And so just just know that you guys are doing an amazing job. And and I I I always cringe. I'm like, oh, they're full all the time. And and I know that's not your guys. I wish I know you guys wish you could just take everybody. Um, and so I want everybody else to know that their heart is like, man, we, we, they're helping as many as they can as fast as they can. And, uh, I just really appreciate you guys doing what you're doing. So I just want you to know that.
3: Well, thank you. We appreciate your support. Your, your church has been a great supporter of us and, um, we appreciate the opportunity to just come on and, and share what we're doing. And, um, like Janae said, you can check out our website. Our Facebook page is also an awesome source of information. Um, lots of info about current goings on and our current needs. Um, you know, everything from, uh, from financial needs to um, things that you can purchase when you're at the grocery store and okay. buy in for your yeah. family. So Absolutely. so be sure to find us on there. Okay,
1: sounds great. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. I appreciate Thank your you. time. We really genuinely are excited just to get to hang out. And, and we hope that you enjoyed it please feel free to email us or contact us about topics that maybe you want to hear more about. Some of the things that you'll probably email to us we will not run with because we'll probably just completely ignore them. Uh, But anyways... What Bo meant to say was please email us at
0: lpleftovers (laughs) at gmail.com. Again, that's lpleftovers
1: at gmail.com. That is so true. That is exactly what I meant to say. But thank you guys for joining us. Appreciate it very much. Join us next time. Subscribe. Get your friends to... Subscribe to our podcast, and then maybe in all seriousness, one day, we really will have a sponsor, and we won't have to joke about it. Wait a minute. We're not getting
0: paid for this? I quit my job to do this. (laughs) Yeah, and we appreciate that. (laughs) We do appreciate you taking the time to listen to Leftovers, the living proof podcast for the stuff that didn't fit into our service. We hope you had some fun. We made you laugh, but mostly, I hope we made you think.